Are we born with a predetermined path, or is life all about what you do with it? A lot of the time, art is viewed as a luxury, but for many of us, art is a necessity. Without art, we feel empty and lost, and we need art to guide us home. Art is so much more and can draw the emotions out of you and inspire you to create stuff of your own. But with a life full of survival, where does art fit into the equation? For your whole life, you're told how important it is to get a good paying job. But you are also told to follow your passion. Well, what do you do if your passion doesn't pay well? We have to dream big, but not dream unrealistically. We have to plan, but don't worry if your plans don't work out exactly how you envisioned. There are so many examples of this where it's like, hey, do this, but remember, also do this. It's frustrating. In today's episode, we discover the story of an artist who found himself lost in this world and no idea where his path would lead. Let's find out if he found the right path or if he settled for a lesser one. This is the My Art is Real podcast, a narrative journey into the lives that shape art. I'm your host, Jacob Johnson, and this is episode 31, David Planeta. Right after the break. I want to take a moment and let you know how you can hear more artist stories and support this show. When I set out over a year ago to make this podcast, I knew it would be a lot of effort, but I continued anyways because I knew these stories needed to be shared. If you enjoy this show at all and want to see it succeed and grow, you can help. Send this podcast to anyone you know who might enjoy it. And if you decide you want to do more, go and sign up for our Patreon page. All the funds earned will go directly into making this show better. And let's not forget about all the extra content you will get when you sign up. Okay, time to get back to the episode. All right, I'm David Planeta, which means planet. And I'm from Poland in Central Europe. I'm an artist. I work as an artist. I'm also a yoga teacher. And I'm also, you can say, a philosopher who read a lot. (laughs) Mostly about mythology, philosophy. And I've been surrounded with art pretty much since I was a kid. My father is a photographer. My mother is an art teacher in primary school. So I was growing up surrounded with art pretty much all the time. A lot of times either your kids will become interested in your hobbies because they're constantly around you and seeing what you're into, or they'll also follow something that's the complete opposite direction. For David, he went into the opposite direction. I mean, if you think about it, if you are, you are surrounded with something, you have two ways. Either you become the thing you're surrounded with or you become something opposite. <laughs> so if you have artist parents, you have two ways. Either you become artist or a scientist. My sister is a scientist. She was studying chemistry. And I was always, I wouldn't say I was always doing art, I always felt like I'm good in art, in art, but because I felt really good about it, I didn't do any of any of it. <laughs> so how did David see himself as a kid? Yeah, I was a kid that you can say in between the worlds. So I was and it's and it's something, you know, if I think about myself now and if I think about what I do, I can kind of find seeds of of who I am in my childhood. And if you if you think about my art, it's 
you can you can think of it as me going into into the subconscious and I'm bringing back something so I'm connecting two worlds and pretty much it was a pattern in my childhood as well so I was connecting worlds I was connecting like you can say the good kids and the bad kids I was hanging out with with bad kids but I was I was doing very well in school and every everyone thought about me as a good kid and I was somewhere in between, which also made me kind of an outcast in a way, because I can exist in different groups, but I'm not really, you know, 100% belonging to any of the groups. How did you feel about that being, you know, kind of in between? Yeah, for me, you know, it's actually difficult to to know what I was thinking or feeling back then because most of the time it's like I'm projecting some emotions on myself from the past. I think when I was a kid, I didn't know what's going on. Like I didn't realize I can belong to some group or not belong or be somewhere in between. It's like you just live. And even if you if you're sad, you don't really know why. If I think about it right now, and if I look at the pattern that I can still see, I was pretty much always excited about being in this space in between. For some time, David wasn't into making art, but he was into architecture. And well, to be a good architect, you need some drawing skills, so he signed up for the appropriate classes. When I was in the middle of high school, I realized, okay, I really have to choose something. And if I want to go to architecture, I have to start learning how to draw. It's like you, you prepare for, for two years, usually. You go for, for a drawing course for two years to be really prepared. And here I am, I have one year and a half. <laughs> and I go to this drawing course in the middle of the year. While he had always thought of himself as a naturally gifted artist, which he is, but his talents were not where he originally thought they would be. All those kids around me are really good. You know, the guy is drawing some, some beautiful historical building. It looks like real. And I'm trying to draw a cube <laughs> for two hours. <laughs> and I realized, okay, they are so ahead of me. So I started to draw a lot. Yeah, because uh, I was really afraid. Like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm way behind. I need to work more than, than everyone. So I was drawing all the time. And after one year and a half, I was, I was one of the best in the group. And, and I still failed the entry exam. <laughs> and why was that? Was the entry exam more technical stuff too? Not really, but you have entry exam. But that's only part of, of, of the grade you get. The rest is, is the final exam you, you have in high school. So you have to pass the test from, from like mathematics and, and different subjects. And I wasn't very good on those. <laughs> drawing itself wasn't enough. Luckily for him, while his drawing skills might not have started off great, he is a fast learner and spent a lot of time practicing. And he got so good that they even offered him a job. Yeah, I was going to a drawing course for one year and a half. And then when I'm going to, to the entry exam to, to study architecture, the, my, my teachers from the drawing course, they said, okay, it doesn't matter if you fail or if you 
get to architecture, we really want you to, to work with us. And I said, okay, no problem. And then I failed the exam, but I got the job. And also, in- interesting thing, I got a job and it was like, just teach those people. There, were, there was no training or anything. So, so I really had to learn how to, how to teach, which was, all, which was also an, a very interesting journey. So at around 18 years old and just becoming an adult, David is given a job teaching others. It's hard enough to teach something, but to have no training in doing so must have been an even bigger challenge. Yeah, I think I, I figured out, maybe not finally, it's, it's something you, you, you cannot never figure out. <laughs> but I out, you know, to, to a degree, I felt good. When I was teaching, I wasn't stressed and I, I wasn't, I didn't have this imposter syndrome. Uh, after three years, I think it took me three years of, of teaching to really feel, feel good about myself. And yeah, also I, w- I was mostly teaching people who who just starting. So it's just basics and, and things I already was good in. It turned out, even if you, you really know how to draw, then teaching drawing is, is something completely different. It's like a new skill that you also have to learn. How long were you doing the teaching and kind of what was your plan at that point for your life moving forward? Was it just, well, I guess I'm teaching drawing now or did you have bigger plans? Like what was going through your mind, do you think? So, okay, when... When I failed the exam on architecture, I was very, you can say, self-confident about my, my drawing skills. So, so I decided to, I had a year off to do something. So I said, okay, I'm going to study design. I have one year to, to prepare because entry exam to study design is it's, it's way more difficult. It's not enough to draw. You have to also know how to paint. You have to learn to... You have to learn the history of design. You have to, yeah, you have to learn a lot. And also I had older friends who were telling me stories how difficult it is <laughs> to pass those exams. And they also get 20 people. Basically for, for the whole year I was, I was teaching and I was also using the place where I was teaching to, I was staying after hours and I was painting and I was learning myself. So that year, I think it was one of the most productive years in my life because I had very clear goal and the goal is actually to to pass the entry exam. I know what I have to learn. So I was just learning, I was drawing, I was teaching. It was a great year. But this time around, would the hard work, practice and studying be enough to get him into design school? Yeah, I actually did. I went to entry exams. It was kind of stressful, but everything went well and I got in and it turned out that the goal to pass the exam was was very clear but once you get in and you start studying it's not the goal is not so clear anymore and it wasn't so excited I mean so exciting for me to to study and I again fell into this pattern of of going of taking the path of least resistance yeah, I actually f- finished because design here in Art Academy is like two stages. So the first stage is three years and a half, and then you can get your master's, and it's like one 
year and a half more. So the first st- stage is is like a bachelor. So I only did the first stage, and then I decided, okay, I'm I'm not very interested to in in continuing. It was so easy for David to study and practice on his own, but once it came to doing the actual classwork, he would take the easiest path possible to finish the work on time. This is because the artists within him was happy to make their own work, but didn't like the idea of making these artworks for other people. Probably I started to to realize that I should be an artist, or maybe not that I should be, not even know how to put it. Like the artist in me started to grow and started to demand some things. And yeah, design wasn't wasn't it. Because basically when you study study design, you, you can also choose two paths. You can also you you can go either into 3D design or 2D design. And 2D is basically graphic design. So I chose graphic design, but if you're a graphic designer, you basically have to do things that client requires. And I wasn't a big fan. I never was a fan of having someone telling me what to do. I was always rebellious kid that pretends to follow the rules. At this point, he's in his mid-20s and not sure what the next step in life is. While he enjoys his job teaching drawing, he has this crazy idea to travel to Iceland with his girlfriend and get a job at a hotel for a few months. He wanted to switch things up a bit and was growing a little burnout on the whole drawing. But things in Iceland didn't go originally as planned. I ended up working in a hotel in Iceland, which is pretty far away pretty isolated place and i was working there for three months basically i faked my cv so i put some fake experience i had this video call with with the hotel manager and i think it was the first time i i had to talk with someone in english so i was also very stressed and she asked me okay what would you like to do in a hotel what are you good at and i said i'm good at everything so i would like to 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 work like switch my position and to do everything you have <laughs> and I, and I went to to Iceland and I was I was doing pretty much everything in a hotel and I was living this you can say normal life when I have to work a lot and I don't really like it and I do it just for the money but also I didn't really need the money so after two months, I felt like, what am I doing here? <laughs> What's going on? But yeah, I stayed one one more month because that was my plan to do it for three months to have full experience. And then I realized that I don't like it, <laughs> which I pretty much knew I'm not going to like it, but I still wanted to have this experience. So yeah, that was the next thing I did. This experiment wouldn't last as long as he'd expected. And within the first two months, he started to think, what in the world am I doing here? Here he was, this talented artist. Why wasn't he utilizing that? He had traveled to Iceland with his girlfriend at the time. And so after leaving Iceland, they continued on their travels across Europe, hitchhiking, camping, you name it, just to see the world. But it was one night while on a beautiful beach that David became flooded with this idea. Ideas and questions of who he was and what he was doing in life. 
it was it was in on the on the Canary Islands. I was sitting. It was it was night, and I was sitting on the beach. It was a beautiful night. It was a beautiful landscape, and I think it was the first time when I clearly realized that everything around me is beautiful, but somehow I don't feel happy about it. This weird feeling like you can't really enjoy the moment because something is stopping you something is blocking you or a feeling like you are you know like you are behind a thick glass so everything looks beautiful but you can't really experience it the thing it's supposed to be possible to experience it why do you think you started to feel this all of a sudden i'm not sure probably you know when 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 the consciousness grows there is this moment when you start to to connect everything you you kind of suppressed in your subconsciousness and there is a moment it starts to to come back at you and i was pretty good in in suppressing different things a lot of things that were just waiting to come back what is your purpose in life there's one hard question to answer and if you can answer it you're one of the lucky few It's hard enough to find something you semi-enjoy doing for a paid job. It's even harder to find something that's your life purpose that can pay the bills. How do you balance out your focuses in life between survival and your passions? While this made him feel like he was a failure for not having his whole life planned out yet by his mid-20s, he was actually part of the majority in that case. Problem of not knowing what your goal is and what you should do it's basically like a fundamental problem of 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 the whole society we live in i think there is just a moment when you when you discover within yourself the problem of society but you think it's your own problem you don't yet realize it's just a problem of of the whole bunch of people at the time he didn't realize it was normal to feel this way and it caused him to fall into a depression once you were in the slump and, and you were kind of upset with everything, how did you get out of that? What did you do to try to break free? But I remember somewhere around that time, I found some book about meditation. It was like taking you through the whole, like a month process of meditating on, on different things. And I think it was, it was the first approach to, to something like that. And because I had no idea what's going on, I felt something is bad. And I found this book that kind of offered some some explanations. Yeah, I grabbed the book and I started to to do those meditations, like hoping for some for something to help me. However, the meditation had the opposite effect, and he found himself falling deeper and deeper into this hole of depression. I mean, in a way, okay. Probably doing those meditations opened the door to to subconsciousness, and the subconsciousness flooded with flooded me with with all the things I suppressed, and I broke down. It was too much. Like in the same time, in 2022, I went through a very bad slump, depression, or whatever you want to call it. I was feeling anxious constantly and having panic attacks daily. Each day that went by where I wasn't able to be as productive as I would have liked to be, I felt even more behind, and that would make the next day even worse. 
It felt like a never-ending cycle, and all I could do was see my flaws and doubts. I want you to hear something that he says about this cycle and how it affected his own life. Yeah, when you're depressed, it's like, okay, there is this pattern I think we all experience in, in, on a smaller scale. So if you feel really good, you know, you have a great day. Then not only the present moment feels good, but also you have a positive vision of the future and you have a positive vision of the past, even if it, it, was, it was difficult. You have this feeling like, oh, it was difficult, but I learned a lot and it helped me to grow. But when you have a bad day and you're sad, you are in the alternative timeline. And when you're sad, your future looks very bad and you are very pessimistic about the future and you're very pessimistic about the past as well. I mean, he hit the nail on the head right there. Most of life is all about mindset. If you're constantly looking at the negatives, you're going to feel pretty negative. And if you look for the positive, no matter how small, and focus on it, it can grow. We're about to enter Act 3 of the show. In Act 3, spoiler alert, we start to learn how David pulled himself out of this depression. And if you're feeling down about your own life or art, I hope this next part can help bring you a little closer to the light, and this story can show you that you're not alone. Let me read you what David has written in his bio on Instagram. Artist who turned depression into art to make you an incredible journey. Thank you for being here. I don't know what, what came first because I finally went to therapy and I think it, it was about three months. I didn't really like it. And also the second thing that happened is that I created the first, the first image from what later became the, the Mini People series. And when I created this image, it was the first thing that maybe I wasn't feeling joy. It wasn't joy, but it was something like a little spark of feeling. So I was obsessive to, to create another picture and another picture, you know, not to lose, not to lose that feeling. So I was doing those, those pictures and I was, yeah, I was often going out with, with a laptop. I was sitting at a cafe. And I was working on the image. And after one hour, I was so stressed and anxious. <laughs> and I had these panic attacks and I had to just run home and hide in my room. But yes, yeah, something was, was, was moving. I had this feeling. Drawing went from something he did as a kid to then being something he taught others for a living to now becoming his therapy. This time, the art was much more personal. It wasn't for a class. It wasn't to teach others. It was purely for him to let go of these feelings. He wasn't even sure of what these works meant. He was just creating to create. And I had no idea what those pictures meant. I had no back then I had no idea about symbolism. I wasn't wasn't, you know, I wasn't analyzing those pictures and I wasn't telling to myself, oh, I can see this and that. That came like two 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 years later when I can, could finally see the story in the images. <laughs> but at the beginning, I was just compulsively creating because it was the only thing that, that made me feel something. His art was helping him finally pull out of this depression, but he was holding on to one other feeling that he just couldn't quite shake. 
While he was enjoying the art he was making, it didn't align with his internal vision of himself as an artist. When I was creating those those images, I thought about the, about those images as something I do for myself. Thing I didn't really like those images because after art school, I still had some some kind of image of myself or who I want to be as an artist, and this image was me doing classical art like oil painting maybe some abstract art but more more traditional yeah my images are are just digital and digital art was was for me it was something worse so i was kind of ashamed of myself that i'm doing this this just illustrations you know in photoshop instead of doing beautiful classical art he would have to let go and let the path reveal itself to him instead of trying to chase after it. And so when did you finally make that step into putting your art out there for others to see? Yeah, I think when I created about seven or eight, something like that, I decided to to, to post them online. And I think I just put them on, on Board Panda. But, you know, I, I decided, okay, I just post it online and forget about it. It wasn't like a big plan to, to share my art with people. It was like realizing it looks interesting. Maybe someone will like it. Probably people will, will just ignore it. So, yeah, let's just post it online and, and forget about it. So I posted it online and, and suddenly so many people just, you can say, resonated with with it and yeah and i i realized okay that maybe there is something to it he was blown away by the response to his work and people quickly began asking for prints while he had no idea how to make prints he put the effort in and started giving the people what they wanted soon even the act of putting the work online became part of his process because if he wasn't sharing it with others it would feel incomplete in his mind It was through this time of trials that David finally accepted the fact that he was indeed an artist, whether he had wanted to be or not. It was something he just couldn't let go of. Okay, one thing about about being an artist is, or about being whatever you are, is that I realized, or this is my approach, that in life it's, it's not about who you want to be, but it's more about realizing who you are and then there is usually a long process of accepting it so for me it seems like i'm an artist who is doing digital art and it took me some time to to accept it that first i'm an artist and this is who i am and i have to kind of kind of accept that fact and second thing that the way i'm expressing myself is through this specific tool that is digital art. And of course, I do other things as well. But digital art, it's, it's my most recognizable series. So, so I'm still perceived as a digital artist. Before he was lost with no way to find the path, his art guided him back and he holds on to it as hard as he can because without it, he wouldn't know what to do with himself anymore. The way I see it right now is... With my art, I'm, I'm just creating a map of, of my subconsciousness. In a way, I have to create art because if I stop creating, I become lost. I don't know where I am. I don't know what is the direction or 
where I am at the moment. But when I create my art, it's like an information. It's just a map. When I asked him what he was working toward now, he told me he didn't have any materialistic goals. Mostly he's focused on his own growth as a human being. Now that David knows his purpose, he's able to bring that passion into the world for all of us, the viewer, to enjoy. We can spend our whole life believing we are meant to be one thing, and then in a moment's notice realize we are no longer believing in that vision and start to walk down a new path. Whatever your passion is or your goal in life, I hope you have the ability to chase it and catch it, and then have the ability to know if it's really what you want. If you have any creative energy, put it out there. Let the world see, because we need more. Thank you for listening to another episode of the My Art is Real podcast. Thank you to David for sharing his story with us today. Hope this episode inspired you and you can find some nuggets of wisdom that help you in your own life. This new year is coming up and I have to say, I've never been this excited for an upcoming year before. This podcast had so much growth this year and I cannot wait to see where we go in 2024. If you believe in this show and want to hear more stories like this, please share the podcast with anyone you know. If you want to go a step further, go over to our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash myartisreal and sign up today to support the show and get extra content. Thank you. Mm-hmm.